I don't know if y'all can hear it up there or not, but when I stepped over there in front of that, it was um, angelic. The voices, the way they were blending. Praise God. Amen. It was good. There just seems to be a sweet presence here today. Um, thank you, ladies, for the, your heart of worship and that you lead us into. Um, real quick, I just want to say thank you to John for the sound. Um, I think he's one of the best sound men in Southeast, well, state of Oklahoma even. Uh, I think I'm giving people roses while they're still alive and so John is one of those guys that most sound people are those guys that would rather be behind the soundboard, but they have just as important part to to play and, and putting the stuff up on the screen, keeping up with people that are are creative types and different things and so it just it's a, it's really good. He it's a talent. It's a talent. No not everybody can just get behind that thing and Start moving buttons. So I just want to say thank you, John, for all that you do. For for what what I like about John is he, I know that he fits in because we all talked about creating a sound, and so musicians have their part, singers have their part, and then even the sound guy has his part to to create that sound as a part of it. And I think John does his part very very well. So I just want to we appreciate all that you do. So I know sometimes sound people don't get <laughs> get that often, but. Uh, we as musicians and preachers and that, we, we want to say thank you for that, uh, for all that you do. Um, we need to pray for Linda. Okay. She's been very, very ill. She's been young and unsafe. Okay. To the point that they will be taken to the We'll do that. We're going to pray for, for John's wife, Linda. Beth is going to pray. Here we go. Um, we just all come in agreement in this room, Father. You said where two or more agree that it is so. So we just all come in agreement, and we see Linda happy and healthy. We see her laughing. We see her feeling energized. We see her feeling alert and awake and going about her daily tasks like she always does. We see her joyful and full of happiness. I thank you, Father, that all the things in her body that don't belong there are drying up in the name of Jesus and that she is full of life and health. Lord, that she is full of good health. I thank you, Lord, that even right now where she's sitting, that this rejuvenation of the Spirit is connecting to her Father, that her body is becoming alive with the Spirit that is within her, Lord, that it quickens within her the same Spirit that she carries that we have in this room. Father, we connect it, and we thank you, Lord. We see her happy and whole in Jesus' name. We see her laughing. We see her speaking clearly without coughing, Lord. We see her 
her full of life and joy right now in Jesus' name. We thank you that it's done, Father. We thank you, Lord, that it is completed and it is finished. In Jesus' name, we praise you and we thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Man, we just speak a blessing over that house, Lord. We know that this year and the last year and a half has been trying and and it's been heavy on the heart and the mind, Lord, with John and and Linda both with the health. And we just speak, Lord, uh, health, wealth, and, and, and miracles, Lord, in their life right now, Lord, that they will continue to prosper and to be healthy and to move forward. Lord, we thank you for... For their friendship, we thank you for their heart for you, and we just stand with them, believing and confirming the things that you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, that's good. Good, good. Lift each other up in prayer. Turn with the book of John, chapter 6. We're going to talk about John today. <laughs> no. Um, John, chapter 6, we're going to read quite a bit, so... As usual, I gotta I gotta read quite a bit. I found out when I just read the Bible, I'm not near as good a preacher as I thought I was because it's it's all built in here. <laughs> so, um, chapter six, uh, verse one, very familiar text. Um, this is the feeding of the five thousand. We're going to read quite a bit today because there's a couple of things here that I want to show you. Um, so, uh, John 6, 1, it says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. And those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. We're going to pause there for a minute and we're going to catch up to there. So we see that Jesus uh, has coming um, see, out of chapter 5. He's doing some, some miracle signs and wonders. Now, in the book of John, there is the... Uh, 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 um, an idea in there there's always looking for signs to the Jews the sign to the Greeks they wanted understanding it was foolishness doesn't make sense to me give us a sign you're going to see this in the book of John as you read there constantly by what signs do you see in this chapter we're going to see in a minute they're going to say by what signs Moses gave us what sign do you show what are you saying you're the Messiah you're the son of God show us a sign um and so Jesus is here, and he says that he performed to those who were diseased. 
There was great people following him because of the, the signs that they thought they were seeing. Now, we know a sign is, a, in our day and age, a sign, in most of it, we, we think of signs for traffic signs. It's indicating what's coming, what is what we need to be doing, what's coming, a caution sign. Um, I found driving those uh, the big semi-trucks that whenever the little, when you come into a curve and it shows 35, that's not a suggestion. That's, <laughs> that's what you need to be doing when you go around that curve if you're in one of them big trucks. Because if you're not, you'll find out real quick that you should have slowed down, right? Um, so these are signs. And we look, John is pointing to the sign. And people are always looking for signs. Uh, and even in today's, today's society, we're looking for signs. People want to, well, show me evidence that he's real, then I'll follow. Show me this. It's, it's, a, it's either we have the religious mindset of show me signs, I want to make sure you're real, or the Greek mindset of prove it to me. I want to know intellectually and understanding. And we'll begin to find that Jesus works and operates a little differently. Matter of fact, I believe he operates right down the middle of both of those. Of both of those. Um, so I wanted just to notice something here. Notice that this is the, it's coming into the Passover, the feast of, of the Jews. The Passover feast is coming, and, and Jesus is doing something very specific here. Uh, as we look at the Passover, we'll see that uh, there were different, uh, if you've ever studied or ever been a part of it, there's different parts of the meal. At a certain time, they do a certain thing. One of the things is, is they have unleavened bread, a part of this, and there's several times where you eat it. Part of it's hidden, and then it's revealed later. Uh, you see, it's, it's got, um, the way that it's made, it's, it looks like, uh, it, it looks like what we would call communion is what we begin to look. And so even the bread has got holes in it. Uh, it was a symbol of Jesus being punctured and, and the way that it looks, it's, it's the body of Christ. Uh, so we begin to see that there's all this sim- symbolicness of what was about to come. It was, we've heard this before. It was types and shadows, pictures. It was, it was a, a piece, it was a moment, it was a placeholder, if you will, for when the real thing showed up. Often Jesus, especially in the book of John, Jesus shows them, I'm removing the placeholder because the real is now here. You don't have to, this is something different. The Jews believe Passover was something, they, they believed that it, that it was, they celebrated the Passover uh, out, of, out of Egypt into the promised land. Uh, but they also were still looking for something. Jesus says, I'm removing the place card and I am the fulfillment. He told the, disciples, the Pharisees one day, you search the scriptures trying to find me and you don't even realize that those scriptures are talking about the one standing in front of you now. So this is where we're at with the Passover. Now notice that he went up to the mountain. Now all of this, as you begin to see is... Uh, especially in the book of John, when you begin to realize where John is and what he's dealing with, he's dealing with um, Jewish Christians versus the religion of Judaism. Uh, Judaism is I'm coming out of that thing and I'm believing in Jesus. To believe in Jesus in that day and age meant that you where it went against everything that you had ever been taught, and there's a good chance that you could never go back to that again once you stepped out of that. Uh, so the Passover is literally passing from, from one thought, one idea, from one bondage into freedom, the promised land. We're going to see this. It's it. He goes up to the mountain. So we see Passover. Most people, when, when John is writing to the 
Jewish Christians or the, the people that were coming out of Judaism that would understand and read this, when he would tell them that he went up on a mountain, that is significant about something. That wasn't just something that's like, oh, Jesus went up on a mountain. Why did he go up on a mountain? We're going to begin to find that in the book of Hebrews and John, there's always that verses. It's Jesus is greater than. Jesus is greater than the Passover. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the old covenant because he is the fulfillment of those things. So we see here that at the Passover, the Jews are, uh, the, the people in this area are thinking Passover. They're thinking about Moses. They're thinking about the time that they let them out and they passed over. They went through the water. They went through the sea. They went through all this. They're thinking of when they got into the new land, they're thinking about manna falling from heaven. They're thinking about being fed. This is where their hearts and their minds are coming to because they're coming into this time of Passover. They're coming into this time of, 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 of this is what we've always done. My mind is pointed towards this. I'm moving to this. So Jesus goes up on a mountain, which is where we know Mount Sinai is where Mo Moses received the, the Ten Commandments. He began to receive the things. He was on a mountain. So Jesus goes up, greater than Moses, goes up to a mountain and begins to ask them, do we have enough money to feed these people? Now notice, Jesus did it on purpose, right? He said he knew what he was going to do. <laughs> Right? God knows what he's going to do, but thank God he just kind of helps us along. So he, he's, I know what I'm going to do, but Philip, do we, how much money do we, we would take to... Because to, to? he says, what I'm doing is, is I'm bringing heavenly things down into earthly things. And I wanted to show you that if you are inside of me and, you, you, and I'm inside of you and you're walking in the spirit, that there is no boundaries, there is no limitations for you. Amen. In this new way of living, in this new way of understanding, this new kingdom that I'm telling you, that you have access to all things at all times. So he says, now the pastor was feast, Jesus lifted up his eyes, many people were coming. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? He knew what it was going on. He knew what was about to happen. He knew, just like he was saying, I'm, I, what he was saying is, is, I'm about to show you something that I'm greater than Moses. And we're going to begin to see the, the fulfillment of that. So we understand he comes in, he takes the bread, and he, he blesses the bread, right? He begins to break the bread, bread of life. We're going to see here in a minute a reference to the bread of life. This is all with the background of the Passover coming in. This is all in that moment. And Jesus is saying, I am the fulfillment of these things. Uh, there's a lad has five barley loaves. There's been so many sermons preached on that. We could preach that all day long, in and out. I've heard great sermons. Told the people to sit down, 5,000. He took loaves. He gave thanks. His disciples stripped the disciples. We've heard sermons about the distribution of that, that the miracle actually happened in the disciples' hands. And begin to begin, because once God blessed it, once you start distributing it out, there's not going to be an end to it. Amen. Once you just start distributing love and peace and joy in the gospel, even your time, God will continue to redeem that. You can't outgive God. Amen. No matter what it is. Uh, sitting down, we know. So when they when they were filled, he said to the disciple, "Gather up the fragments that remain, so nothing is lost." That's going to be important in just a minute because Jesus is going to reference back to that. Therefore, they gathered up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Everybody was full. Not didn't they? They had some food, but everybody was full. Amen. So you you take that back and go back to. The book of Exodus, whenever the manna fell, everybody was fed. Nobody was left out. 
Everybody was fed. As a matter of fact, the only thing that they had to do was pick it up. They didn't have to, they didn't have to, the stuff rained down. All they had to do was pick it up and enjoy it. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, according to, to Jewish scholars, they, they teach and believe that the manna was specific that whenever, uh, whenever you would eat the manna, whatever you thought that it was, that's what it would taste like. That was part of the miracle was if I sit down, I'm like, man, this is going to be chocolate cake. And I begin to eat chocolate cake that it believed in my heart, my, whatever it was, it tasted like what I felt like it should taste like. That was the part of the miracle of the manna. They gathered up and everybody had enough. Matter of fact, there was plenty for leftovers. Now watch this. The leftovers is the, the, the blessing, I believe, of the new covenant and where we live in the abundance and the overflow of God. Because in the book of Exodus, he told them, he said, on the sixth day, you will gather twice as much. So that on the day of rest, you won't have to do anything. All you got to do is sit back, relax, and eat. Now, this happened before the law came and was a law requiring them to do this. This was just them coming across the Red Sea. They're hungry and they're complaining. And through their complaining, God says, just rest. And they're complaining here, eat quail in the morning and eat manna in the evening. Go out and there's going to be manna enough for you. And on the sixth day, gather twice as much. And on Saturday, just rest and enjoy what I'm doing with you. That's hard to do. Anybody try to rest and just enjoy things without trying to work for it and trying to, I got to do this. Because when you're, when you're resting and you're just relaxing, most of us are in that mindset of there's other things I need to be doing. Right. God's brought Beth and I through periods of time. We've learned how to rest. And sometimes even now during that rest period, I'm just like, oh, I got I to do something. I got to be doing something. God's like, no, just just calm down and rest. So we see here that he says nothing will be lost. They gathered 12 baskets full. Now, 12, uh, some people would say is the, the, the number of government for God, the 12 disciples, uh, uh, we, we, the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, we see all that that sim- symbolicness in that. Um, so they gathered up, they gathered up 12 baskets of the five barley leaves, uh, loaves that which were left by those who had eaten. The bread is enough. What Jesus is showing is that when I give you bread, the bread of life, it will be overflowing. It will be continual and you will never want for anything. That's a common theme Jesus says throughout the book of John. If you thirst and you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. If you eat of this bread, you'll never hunger or thirst again. Um, then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Now, they're believing he's the prophet's coming into the world, but they're believing only just surface, if you will. They're not really looking to the signs that Jesus is doing. They're looking at the miracles and looking at what they can get out of this situation, according uh, uh, to history, you will see that the Jews were looking for a Messiah, not somebody like Jesus. They weren't looking for someone whose kingdom was not of this world. They were looking for a very political Messiah who would come, and as I've said before, and kick hind in and take revenge. And we run everybody out, we'll close our gates, and we will be prosperous by ourselves. So this is the idea that they're looking for. Now, verse 35, Jesus never allowed himself to get into that political understanding of who they thought he should be. Thank God. Amen. 
Verse 15, therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. This is the prophet. This is the Messiah they've been speaking of. This is the moment. We believe. We've seen the miracles. We've seen everything. That's enough. That's all we need to know about him. He's done miracles. He's done miracles. That's it. Boom. We're going to put him in, we're going to put him in office policy and he is going to take over. Jesus said, I'm not going to have a part of that. And so he, uh, by force to take him, king, he departed again to the mountain. There's that symbolic again. He went back up to the mountain. Moses got the mountain, but the, the Ten Commandments the first time. Come down. He, I, I crack up because when he comes down, he's holding these Ten Commandments, and they're breaking probably over half of them that he's holding his hand when he come off the mountain. Throws it down. Who's on the Lord's side? What does he do? Goes back up to the mountain. God says, okay, I'll write you a second time. We're going to put that down. Let's go. So this is symbolic. This is Jesus. Now, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. Do you see the symbolicness here that if you're a Jewish person, you're watching this, and John's telling the story in the year of 90 AD. He's telling this story, and they're going, oh, that's what he was doing. Him crossing the sea and the, the, the disciples crossing the sea in that moat wasn't by accident. First of all, going up to the mountain... And we're coming down, and instead of giving you the law, we're going to feed you. What are we going to feed you? We're going to feed you bread. We're going to feed you manna. We're going to feed you fish. Not just a little bit, 5,000 people, but we're going to open up the whole thing, and we're going to have leftovers. We're going to have enough for every 12 disciples. We're going to have enough for every tribe of Israel. We're going to have enough that the government of God will be established, and it will be full, and her gates will never be closed, and she will continually be flowing rivers of living water outside of her. Now we're going to deal with the issue of baptism. We're going to deal with the issue of Passover. We are going to the other side. The disciples get in their, their boat. And what happens? We see that the, uh, here in, in John's version, it was already dark. Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat. They were afraid. And he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at land where they were going. Now watch this. Struggling, rowing, doing on this, this is all symbolic of us doing it on our own. All, all of a sudden, Jesus comes along. They received him. When they heard his voice, it is I. It is I. A lot of people right now, a lot of people, will, preachers will preach that the reason nobody is receiving Christ is because they're so sinful in the heart, they just don't want to hear the word of God. But I have to contend with that for a moment and say, maybe, just maybe they don't want to hear it is because they're not hearing it is I. What they're hearing is you're doing it wrong. You need to do it like us. We've got all the truth and nothing but the truth. And we're not going to bend or move anyway because we've got it theologically figured out and understood. We know exactly how you should act. And we're not going to act like that. But we know how you should act. And we're going to hold you accountable. But instead, they need to hear the Father. They need to hear Jesus' word. It is I. They need somebody to come walking on that storm in the eyes. And when they, when they need Jesus to come walking into their life in the middle of drug addiction, in the middle of, of mental breakdowns, in the middle of sickness, in the middle of them just reaping what they have sown for themselves and for somebody to come in and declare, it is I. Peace be still. And then the Bible says they received him 
They received him willingly into their boat and immediately, immediately, the boat was where they needed to be going. We're strolling, we're running, we're going to die, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. Jesus comes in, we receive you, and immediately we're at our destination where we're supposed to go. Now watch this, we're going to continue to move on. Verse 22. The following day when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? That's an important question. When did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs. You wanted a sign, but you didn't follow me because of the sign, because if you looked at the sign, the sign would tell you who I am. We we say that. We want signs, miracles, and wonders, but we don't really want the sign. Because the sign will maybe, just maybe show us that maybe the church in America is not exactly where we need to be. Because the sign is not our denomination. The sign is not even our move of God that we think we've got and we've got a corner of the market on. The sign is Christ. And I promise you that when we line ourselves with that, we've all got work to do. Amen. Thank God he's the watermark and not me. That's a lot of pressure to carry. I don't want to be the watermark. Paul says, he he says, follow me as I follow Christ. And if I don't follow Christ, then don't follow me. (laughs) Follow him because I'm just a sign. John was a voice crying in the wilderness. I'm not the one. I'm just a sign to the one. I've come from a moment of telling you, you're looking at me and you're thinking, I'm the Messiah. I'm not. I'm pointing to the one that is coming. I'm pointing to the one that's coming and on his way. We are the same way. We are a sign to the world that Christ has come and he's here and it is him. We, are, we should be proclaiming Jesus is telling you it is I that is speaking to you. It is I that is drawing you. Those moments of confusion, hurt, and pain. And there's that little voice that says, I love you. I care about you. You're worth something. You're not trash. You're not that. That's not the devil. That's not yourself. That's the, the Holy spirit and that's Christ calling you it is I that's telling you you are worth something Woo! it is I do not be afraid but you're not seeking the sign but because you ate of the loaves and were filled you're seeking the excitement you seek the woo, the great the big the splendor because we're going to find out here in a minute when their political view of him began to change and they realized he wasn't going to do exactly what they thought he should do, crucify him. Verse 27, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. Verse 28, then they said to him, what shall we do? That we may work the works of God. Verse 29, Jesus is leading them into that place of rest. He's leading them gain on the the sixth day. You're going to get double. You're going to get double, but I'm going to lead you into the rest. And the rest is, Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. 
you believe in Christ. Therefore, verse 3, they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Prove to us. We're Jews. We have oracles. We understand the beginning since Moses. We know what's supposed to happen. Exactly then prove it to us and show us a sign. And what the book of John will begin to show you is by the time they yelled crucified, Jesus had showed them sign after sign after sign that he was who he said he was. But that he did not fit into who they thought he should be. Not who they thought, who they wanted him to be. And I believe that this is a parallel to us in America today. We will not put Christ where we want him to be. He just will not fit. Why? Because he's greater. Why? Because he's more inclusive. Why? Because his love is greater than any love than we could ever even think of or imagine. It has not entered the hearts or the minds what God has prepared for those who love him. What sign will you show us? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. (laughs) Moses didn't do those things. You talk about Moses as if Moses have done all this great stuff. Moses didn't do that. My father gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always, right? We always want that kind of bread. Yes, Lord. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I say to you, you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. And what Jesus is showing here right now? Is because very soon after the death of Jesus Christ, there's going to be a split. And there's going to be many people who believe in Jesus are cast out of their culture, cast out of their synagogues, cast out of the things that they used to know. And Jesus says, Christianity is inclusive. Christianity, my church, my understanding will never be someplace, it should never be someplace that a person can't come in and say, I'm accepted. I may not agree with you, but I accept you. We love you. Come in so that we can love on you. We can teach you. We can share with you. We can walk you through the pains and the hurts, the ideologies and the thoughts that you have. It may not come through a conversion on the first day, the second day, the first year, the second year. But what Jesus is saying, we will walk with you and we won't cast you out just because you're different than us. Amen. Notice that Paul never got mad at King Agrippa when Agrippa said, you've almost persuaded me. Paul didn't say, well, that's it for you. I'm done with you. Don't ever talk to me again. No. He planted the seed and planted the word. We don't know how King Agrippa ended. We don't know that he didn't receive Christ or that he didn't believe in it in his heart before he passed away. It just says in that moment, you've almost persuaded me. And Paul moved on and did something else. Um. Uh, okay. Um, and the Jews complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this, this jo- Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then, he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, 
Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, uh, say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. That right there begins to reference back to when Jesus made the statement. Gather up the fragments that remains so that nothing is lost. Those that have come and eat and they will never die. What did Jesus say? Those that you've given me, I have not lost one. We could go on from there because then he goes on into eat of this flesh and drink of this blood. And they say, that's a hard thing to hear, Jesus. <laughs> Many people at that time begin to leave him. But we see here in this moment that at the background of the Passover, of what they're believing and understanding about who, who, what Moses did, Jesus is telling them, I am the fulfillment of that. Jesus is the greatest ideology of this book. He is the greatest thought in this book. He is the greatest subject in this book. Matter of fact, this book wouldn't exist if it wasn't for him. Amen. This book did not make him. This book did not create him. This book is only a sign to the one who was, who is, and is to come. He was the Savior. He is the Savior. And he will save continually from here on out. He will continue to draw the hearts of men back to him. He's continuing. Even now, he's working. He is the bread of life. It is he that begins to hand out the bread. And today, he's still handing it out to us as ministers, as disciples, as workers for the Lord. He's handing us that, that we may go and say, it is I. Don't be afraid. He's come. I'm not the one. He's the one. I'm just a sign pointing to the one. If we'll notice and begin to hear people talk, they're seeing signs. They're seeing signs right now. There's, there's a lot of people that, are, that just in popular culture that have been very outspoken about their beliefs, about different things. Uh, most of them are not just really what I'd call agnostic and don't believe. They're just like, ah, I haven't seen proof. Or I'm just, I don't know. I don't know about all the stuff. But since the new pictures of the space and the new things that we're seeing, the telescope that they're seeing. Some of, one, this one guy, he's made this statement. I don't know what to think anymore. I thought I had it all figured out. But now we're, we're, we're going deeper into space and finding out there's greater things than we ever even... We look at the universe and think, man, that's expansive, that's huge. But now we're seeing there's other universes that's just as big and as vast as ours, and they're going, I, I'm having to second think a lot of things that I've always thought. How could this just be? How could this just be? And we begin to see the signs. And I think that what we've done in, in, in the church is that we've gotten more into, we think we're looking for signs, but we're actually looking for the things that make us, that, that touch our lives, which is, 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 is okay in a way. But we begin to chase those things. 
And we begin to feel separated from those things. And we begin to, to Jesus made this statement. He said, don't, don't work for the food that perishes. Don't work for those things that, that, that flee. In other words, don't, don't work for the things of God. What do I do to get those things? Believe. Believe in what? Do I believe the Bible? Do I believe this? The Bible is part of your belief system. We think you've got to believe in the Bible. This is, uh, as one pastor say, we've made, this, uh, we've made Christianity Father, Son, and Holy Bible. That'll get you thrown out of some churches just making that statement right there. But the Holy Bible isn't important. Absolutely. Paul says it's good for doctrine. It's good for correction. It's good for having something established. But we've got to realize that's a sign. That's a sign to the one who was real. This book was written about somebody who came and changed the very fabric, the very, the very ideology of our world and began to bring us into a place and say, it's so crazy, I can't even think of it. And Jesus is going, but yeah, this is how you were created. Quit working for all those things. Quit trying to, 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 to do all the stuff and rest. You've entered into that place of rest. You've entered into that place of being. You've entered into that place of I am God's. That he has put his seal of approval on me and I'm walking with him and talking to him in the cool of the evening that, that I am coming. And this is the message. This is the message of hope that I, my heart is, is that the church will begin to preach. But the church will begin to release and it'll be out of the heart of Christ that he will be the signpost. What did Paul say? He said, I've, I've, I've counted everything that I've learned and all my knowledge and all my teaching and all the things that I thought I was. I counted as dung that I may grab a hold of. I may get a hold of Christ. I press what? I pressed forward, press into the mark of the high calling. Well, what's the high calling? Is it ministry? No. Is it being a great Christian among? No, no. Christ. He's the mark of the high calling. He's the high calling. He is the high one calling us into him and saying, come up here and I will show you a better way. I will show you how to live life. I will show you how things get done in the kingdom. Don't work for the physical things. Don't work for the, the, the feelings and the emotions and these different things. Don't, don't, don't work for those things. The work there is, is different than, than, than our idea of work. We think of work, we've got to work by the sweat of our brows and, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and those kind of mentalities. It just doesn't work in the kingdom because the kingdom, you can't make it happen. You have to, the disciples couldn't make their boat get to the other side. They had to receive him willingly into their lives. And as soon as he came into their lives, they were at the land. We've been rolling three or four miles and we had not getting nowhere. We thought we was going to die. Jesus comes walking on the water on top of the Red Sea, right? Come topping on top of the, the sea here. The seas were parted and they stood still. And Jesus says, I'm greater than that of Moses. I'm greater than the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. Why? Because I don't even have to part it. I'll just walk on top of it. <laughs> Woo! That's good. I just, man, that just came to me. <laughs> I don't have to part it. You don't have to walk on dry land. You can walk across it. Why? Because with God, nothing is impossible. I am the bread of life. And life more abundantly will flow out of you. Rivers of living water will flow out of you. This is the message that you have to share. 
This is your arsenal. This is your tools. This is your whatever it is that you feed, however it is that you see ministry and however you're going about it. He is the substance of the things hoped for. And he's the evidence of things not seen. Amen. Praise out. God, I just thank you for the day that you've given us. I thank you for the many blessings of this day, God. And I thank you for your word, God. Christ, Lord. The word was made flesh, God. And God, we have a written word, God, that is evidence, God, and it's, it's proof. And it's, it's, as we read deeper into this word, Lord, we become more aware of the true word, which is Christ, God. The true bread of life, which is Christ. The true water the, that flows from the fountain, God, is Christ, God. We thank you for that, Lord. As you are revealing him even more and greater to us, God, Lord. God, let us ascend up that mountain with him as he teaches us his ways, as your word says, God. And he begins to teach us the things of how to become more Christ-like, how to preach more Christ-like, how to live a Christ-like life, God, and how to believe in him. God, as we're learning, God, constantly learning about you and, and your, your word and, and, and all the things, God, be patient with us. We thank you for your patience and your grace and your mercy, God. We thank you that you walk with us. Jesus said you'll never leave us or forsake us, God. And there's many times we feel alone, but God, we've, we've looked and we felt inside and know that you're with us, God. God, we thank you for, for this time of life, God, that we're in. God, Lord, that I believe is greater than any other time, God, because you're still speaking and you're giving revelation. I pray for the church, God, Lord. I know that you're not through with her, God. God, I know that we may have disagreements, God. I know that we may side on different thoughts about who you are, God. But God, let us come, as Paul said, into the unity of Christ, God. God, let us come into the fullness and the unity of Christ that we would come together stronger than ever, God. I pray that the church, God, would be more understanding of becoming more Christ-like, God. And God, Lord, that, that if... The things that we have done, forgive us. And God, forgive us of the things we've left undone as the church, God. Lord, the forgive us, God, of, of, for, not, for not caring for those that you put in front of us, for not loving those. Because you said, if you do this to the least of me of these, you've done it unto me. God, forgive us, God. God, give, you've given us second chances. You've given us another chance around the mountain. And I pray, I pray that this hour, God, this moment, this time is the time, the church, God, we begin to come together stronger and God, based under the unity of Christ, based under coming into who you are and who you've created us to be, Lord, I pray and I know that great things are ahead of the church, God. God, Lord, we're, we're not meant to fold and go quiet, God. We're not meant to be hateful and angry, God. We're not meant to be, God, uh, uh, spouting our political views, God. But we're meant, God, to share the heart and the body of Christ, God. And God, even in those convictions and even in those things that we have within this world, God, let it continually still be Christ-like, God. God, let it be full of love and full of mercy, God. Lord, as we imitate you, God, as we imitate our Father, as we imitate Christ who's seated at the right hand of the Father, God, and let the Holy Spirit, God, speak louder, God, speak louder and more clearly than we've ever heard. Lord, we let us hear the shepherd's voice. Let us hear the shepherd's heart, God, now greater more than ever in this time, God, in this day, in this age. Lord, we pray that the work that you've given us to do, God, that we will be faithful in it. We'll continue doing it. And that you've called us to do, we'll do it with everything that we can do, God.
God, we give you the glory for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to make our declaration. <clears throat> As we have given back to the Lord a portion of what He has given us, we declare that He teaches us to profit and leads us in the way we should go. The Lord gives us power to make wealth and supplies all our needs according to His riches and glory. We bless Israel and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And as He blesses us, His way becomes known on the earth and His salvation among all nations. Lord, we are believing You for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, debts paid off and transfer of wealth, prosperous businesses, our vats filled with oil and our coffers with gold, expenses decreased, blessings increased, heavens opened, earth invaded, signs, wonders, and miracles, and angelic visitations. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, thank you for more than enough, so we can be... And, and see Jesus get his full reward.